Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. Hello, everyone. I am back. You may have noticed that I was away for a few weeks, and that's because of a number of different things that have come up for me, both personally and professionally, and also, um, you know, some of these things have affected my time and my stress levels, and so that's why today I am going to be talking about stress reduction and sleep hygiene. So I'll give you a little bit of an update on what's been going on with me. Some of you may know I am pregnant. I am, oh, well, by the time that you listen to this recording, I'll be 28 weeks pregnant, which is the start of the third trimester. That's technically seven months pregnant. And so the past couple of weeks, actually this month, I've been experiencing more discomfort I also recently moved homes and that caused, um, you know, it, it took a toll on my body because as much as I tried not to do too much, I, I still, I'm not the type of person that likes to just sit around and, and rest. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of, of not being active. I like to move around a lot um, and with the move, it was just so easy to to do too much, whether it was unpacking, organizing, moving boxes, um, you name it. I, I actually ended up hurting myself. I hurt my back. Um, I threw out my back and so I couldn't move for a couple of days. And thankfully I'm doing much better. I'm still dealing with some hip pain, some pelvic girdle pain, and just overall kind of pregnancy discomfort. I also have a chronic illness and it has been flaring up every now and then. And then in addition to the pregnancy and the move with summer and with my son being out of school, I co-developed um, or like put together a social justice curriculum for kids. And it's a six week curriculum intended for kids ages four to 10. And of course, um, there's no point in just putting it together. We need to put it into practice, implement it. And so I've been um, involved in those meetings for the curriculum with uh, nine other moms and, and their kids. And we've been meeting twice a week. So I've got my full-time job with McNair. I've got my social justice curriculum. I have, um, I've been dealing with the move and um and then trying to manage my pregnancy my my physical my mental health my chronic illness so all of that just played a role in my taking a short break from the podcast and my reason for today emphasizing stress management and sleep and so before i get started i um i want to say that this presentation is actually one that was presented or that um, 
that we offer to our McNair scholars as part of their summer research program. They have workshops that they get every week. And this is not a workshop that I facilitated. It's actually a workshop that the um, mental health peers on campus facilitated. So on campus, we have a CAPS, a Counseling and Psychological Services Center, and they have uh, mental health peers. So they are undergraduates who have been trained with CAPS professionals to facilitate these types of workshops that will help the student body. And so this was one of them. All right, so stress. First of all, how do we, de how do we define stress? A lot of us, when we think about stress, we think about how we feel it in our bodies and where we feel stress. So some, some people feel stress on their head. They get tension, headaches, migraines. Um, some people feel it on their back. They start to get back pain um, or feel really tense. Some people get it in their tummy. They get stomach aches and just dis overall discomfort. I'm one of those. <laughs> um, some people feel it in in different ways just like in their heart like they start to feel their heart racing or heart palpitations but stress is actually the experience of tension or pressure that's caused by a life event and stress is not necessarily a good or bad thing I mean we tend to associate it as a negative thing but stress can actually, you know, some stress can be productive and can help us get things done. And now, what causes stress for college students in particular or for, you know, um, individuals who are in that age range of college students of 20 to, I don't know, 25 or, or that age range? What, causes, what might cause stress in college students? Well, there are both, like I mentioned, positive and negative events that can influence your stress levels. Some of the negative events are your schoolwork. Um, if you have a full-time or part-time job, your work pressures. You may be dealing with some conflict with your relationships, whether that is um, family relationships, friendships, intimate relationships, there may be conflict there. You may be dealing with some financial problems. That's a huge one right now, with, especially with the pandemic. Um, a lot of us have been affected financially, and so financial stress um, is really common right now. Some folks are dealing with personal illness, um, health issues that are stressing them out. And then, of course, there's also family illness and death and the stress and the grief that's involved in dealing with, with long-term illness and death. That those are two very difficult things, and it's completely understandable to feel a, an incredible amount of stress when something like that happens. Now, in terms of positive events, what may be stressing you out? Maybe you're starting a new relationship. Again, it doesn't have to be romantic. It could be platonic. Uh, but new relationships tend to stress people out. Maybe it's a new job or an internship. Uh, so a lot of transitions tend to stress us out, even if they're good transitions. Planning a party or a celebration. Um, I don't think a lot of us are planning parties right now. 
But like in in general, you know, if you're planning an event, I mean, even I get stressed out planning virtual events. Like we're planning a virtual symposium for our scholars, and and there's a little bit of stress with making sure that the technology is is okay and that everything goes smoothly. There's also um, another positive event that could stress you out or holidays, spending the holidays with family. I mean, that can be both good and bad. Um, but sometimes being with family, even though it's a good thing, can, can stress us out or planning for the holidays can stress us out. And also going on vacation, believe it or not, can be a positive stressor uh, because even though it's something you're looking forward to, there's still a lot of planning involved and still a change in your environment. So it can still produce stress. Now, um, with regard to the college student population, over 50% of students report that they have more than average or are experiencing a tremendous level of stress and that they've been dealing with that within the past 12 months. And this, uh, among the stressors, the, the top stressors are academic career as one of them, intimate relationships and family as number two, and then finances as, as number three in terms of some of the, 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 stress, the mo- most common stressors. Also, um, 60% of students worry about having enough money to pay for school, and 50% of students are worried uh, about simply paying their monthly expenses. So as you can tell, it's a big part of the population. This information is from the um, American College Health Association. It's part of the National College Health Assessment from 2013. Um, um, And there's also the 60% of students worried about money, 50% of students worried about paying their monthly expenses. That's from the National Student Financial Wellness Study in 2015. So um, these are numbers 2015 and 2013 from a few years ago. Now keep in mind with the pandemic and everything that has happened in the last year to us, these numbers may have skyrocketed Um, I'm sure they have at the very least increased. So a lot of us are stressed. A lot of us are worried about money. A lot of us are worried about paying our bills. We're worried about our academics, about our families, about our relationships, and so on. So again, just to, to emphasize, I was about to say just to stress this, just to emphasize that stress is not always a bad thing. Stress can help move us into action. It helps us respond and manage challenges. So there's an optimum amount of stress that you want to experience where it allows you to be active and get things done. And then there's a not so optimal (laughs) amount of stress where it starts to induce anxiety, panic, anger, violence. You just feel overloaded. And so that's what we're trying to avoid. And that's where the stress management skills are useful. 
So stress can be problematic if it's too high, if you have too many demands, if you don't have enough resources to help you manage those or meet those demands. And also if you have high level stressors that are coming too frequently. So why was I feeling stressed? Why did I feel the need to pause my um, podcast episodes at least for a couple of weeks? Because everything, it felt like it was coming at me at once. I was like, okay, I'm managing, I'm running summer programs. I've got two summer programs. I've got a full-time job. I've got my health. I've got my pregnancy. I've got the move. I've got the summer curriculum. Like all of a sudden I am responsible for so many things and something's got to give. And that was one of them. So too many stressors at the same time that can become problematic. All right. And then if you are experiencing stress, high levels of stress over time, it's going to affect your memory. It's going to affect your attention. Your thinking capacity is going to suffer. It will also affect your immune system. Your immune system will be less effective. And I can vouch for that because, trust me, midterms and finals are the times that our students are the sickest. Um, That's when, especially in the fall, um, that's when folks start to get the flu and cold, and it's just not good. Um, And then if you, it's not just getting sick, but it also, stress will make you more likely to stay sick for a longer period of time. So instead of being sick for a day or two, you may be sick for a week or two. And then it also may mean you may get sick more often. So it's not just you get sick. It's not just that you stay sick longer, but you may frequently be getting sick. All right. So going back to what I mentioned earlier, how do you know you're stressed? <laughs> and I know sometimes it's not that obvious. I've had doctors tell me, oh, you know, your your chronic stomach issues are probably stress-induced. You should do something about managing your stress. And I tell them, what are you talking about? But I don't feel stressed, you know. I'm not feeling like this very obvious tension in my body. Um, but somehow my body is reacting in a way that is telling you know, it's telling me that I'm stressed, but it's, it's, not, in, it's not in the most obvious way. Um, so here are some physical and psychological symptoms. So the physical symptoms are, it could be headaches, muscle tension, chest pain, fatigue, stomach aches, um, sleep problems, even a change in your sex drive. And then when it comes to psychological symptoms, it can affect you by having you feel anxious, sad or depressed, irritable or angry, maybe you're feeling restless, maybe you're feeling a lack of motivation, you're struggling to concentrate, you can't slow down your thoughts. If any of these ring true for you, and they probably do because trust me, every student I've checked in with since the pandemic got started has experienced either high levels of anxiety, sadness, or lack of um, motivation and struggling to concentrate. So that means your body is stressed. Your body is reacting to, it's it's a natural reaction to all of the, you know, extreme changes that we've been dealing with, Um, changes in our lifestyle, changes in the way that we work. 
Um, so then what do you do to cope with, with these symptoms that are related to stress with the physical and psychological symptoms? I mean, like the first thing is you want to be able to identify them because clearly, you know, in the past I've been told that I'm stressed and I've struggled to identify my symptoms. And maybe it's because I tend to be kind of an introverted and just kind of naturally anxious person. So it's hard for me to dis distinguish between when um, I'm experiencing normal levels of anxiety and when they're starting to get too high. So first you want to be able to identify them. And then you want, once you identify that you are stressed and how your body is reacting physically or psychologically to it, identify some coping strategies. So there are healthy and unhealthy coping strategies or less healthy coping strategies. Some of the less healthy ones <laughs> include uh, being sedentary. So maybe you're just kind of hanging out on the couch watching TV, playing video games. It's not the worst thing, but it's not the most beneficial way of coping with your stress. Another one that's common, drinking and smoking, doing drugs, um, retail therapy, shopping too much, um, overeating, binge eating, or emotional eating, eating too much um, can also be a not so healthy, not so healthy coping mechanism. So just keep an eye out on those and try to limit them if you've noticed that's become a bad habit for you. And then with regard to more positive coping strategies, one thing, I know that I do this a lot and hopefully you all have someone you can do this with is talking to a friend, a family member, a therapist or counselor. So Talking to a trusted individual definitely helps. Doing some physical activity. I mean, physical fitness is a natural antidepressant. And going out of nature or doing something active will make you feel better. Even if you don't feel like doing it initially, it will make you feel better. And I have to remind myself this because I am not the most active person either. But definitely going on extra walks throughout the week has, has helped me. And for you, it may be taking a bike ride or, I don't know, doing some yoga or some lifting weights. What, whatever it is that gets your body moving will help. There's also other soothing activities you can try out like drinking tea, taking a bath, reading listening to some music, whatever is soothing for you, listening to a podcast, um, try to incorporate those. Uh, stretching, yoga, meditation. Meditation is actually becoming bigger in terms of, uh, I keep hearing more and more of my students are trying out meditation and are noticing that it's helping them with their stress levels. And then of course you can also turn to spirituality if that's something that works for you, you know, having faith can be helpful, um, having something to turn to, having a daily practice, whether it's, um, whether it's prayer or gratitude practice, something that allows you to be in tune with your spirituality, that can also be helpful. Now, okay, so those are some things to try out. Here are some more coping tools to manage your stress. 
make sure you incorporate breaks in your daily schedule. So take breaks when you start to feel overwhelmed. Get your body moving. Do something soothing. Try a relaxation technique. Talk to a friend, family member, therapist, etc. Make sure you also make time to eat. I know this sounds silly, but sometimes when we get really stressed, we may forget to eat. And then reboot your sleep routine. So take a look at what does your sleep routine look like right now? And are you getting enough sleep? If not, what can you do to make sure you get enough sleep? All right, so now let's transition to talking about sleep. Believe it or not, most of us require seven to nine hours of sleep a night. And I know that a lot of college students don't get enough sleep. They're they're not getting seven to nine hours. In fact, um, it looks like 60% of the population is not getting enough sleep. (laughs) Um, And when you don't get enough sleep, that, that too affects your immune system. And if you're sleep deprived, that can be really unhealthy because it can mimic the effects of alcohol on your body and on your performance. Um, And that's not just like, you know, your day-to-day performance, but it can affect your academics. And then for first-year students, poor sleep can predict dropping out of courses. So unfortunately, um, it can have a severe impact on your academics. So you got to be mindful of your sleep. How do you do that? Well, I I recommend that you set a sleep schedule and that you try to adjust or modify your environment, your bedroom, so that you're ready to sleep. So what can you do to kind of tell your body that it's time to sleep? Um, Whether that's having some sort of aromatherapy spray that, you know, that you spray on your pillow or um, having some sort of routine, um, whatever it is that you can do to make your bedroom ready for sleep, that will help. Having a routine of um, slowing down, just like you have a morning routine, you want to have a bedtime routine. Turn off your electronics. I know this is hard because a lot of us are on our phones all day and all night, but that's been proven. I know I <laughs> refuse to have a TV in our bedroom. It's been a topic of discussion multiple times between my husband and I because, of course, he would love to have a TV. And so our compromise is that when he really wants to watch something um, in bed, he's allowed to bring out the projector. <laughs> but it's on a case-by-case basis, and it's not regularly. Uh, it's on you know, special nights, uh, movie nights. But it, in general, I, I don't allow um, a TV in my room. And I try to limit the amount of time on my phone when I'm getting ready for bed. Another thing to do is to cut, cut off your caffeine. So if you drink coffee, like I do sometimes, you want to make sure that you stop drinking it at, at a reasonable hour so that it doesn't affect your nighttime um, routine and it doesn't affect your ability to stay asleep or go to sleep. Um, you can try taking naps. This is, a, I guess it depends on the individual, 
For some people, naps are great. For other people, naps can interrupt their sleep. And for other people like me, they can't nap. I've tried to nap and it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> I don't go to sleep. Uh, and the few times I have napped, I've napped for too long and then woken up groggy. So try it out. See if it works for you. Try to resist or limit your your all-nighters. So all-night study sessions, all-night working sessions, it's just not healthy. Um, even if it means going to sleep early and waking up early, that's what I used to do as an undergrad. I wasn't very good at doing the all-nighters, and I noticed that my work wasn't very good anyway. Like, I would write something, and then the next day I'd read it, and it just was terrible. So... What I would do instead is I'd go to bed really early and wake up really early. So go to bed at 9 or 10, and I'd wake up at 4 a.m. to finish whatever it is that I needed to finish. So try to limit and resist all-nighters. Try to limit your alcohol. Also, similar to caffeine, you want to limit that before bedtime. All right. What else can you do to help you with your sleep and help you with your stress? Um, One thing is to just, I know it sounds simple, but write things down. Sometimes at night, that's when I start to have racing thoughts and all the things that are stressing me out start to come to my mind. And I start to think about all these things that I'm worried about that I think I'm going to forget for the next day. And so if you write things down, if you make a list, um... If you set your goals for the next day or for the week, it can help lessen your anxiety and your stress. And it can help kind of, it can help you with reducing the mind clutter, everything that's going on in your mind, because that that tends to kind of affect you the most at, at night when you're trying to sleep. The other thing just to remind you is to tr- please try to stop glorifying busyness. You don't have to be working all the time. You don't have to be busy all the time. Um, You want to make sure you set healthy boundaries in terms of what you are able to do. As someone with a chronic illness, as someone who has suffered from mental health issues, I am very considerate of my time and I know what my body is and isn't capable of. And so I tend to, you know, when I schedule things, I try not to overcommit myself. I try to schedule breaks. I try to, um, what's the word, um, overestimate how long something's going to take because that's the worst feeling when I run out of time and realize that I still need to finish a project. So figure that out. Try not to be, um, Try not to feel guilty for being less, seemingly less busy than your peers. And now, um, you know, I, I also want to remind you that it's, it's okay if you're feeling more stressed than usual at this time. We, um, you know, with COVID-19, we've been experiencing so many changes, so many transitions, and it's not... I mean, things are going back to to what we considered normal. This is our new normal. And so th- there's still a lot of uncertainty and that can cause stress. And um, there's still a lot of isolation, which also influences and affects your stress. And so 
kind of be compassionate with yourself. It's going to take time for you to figure out how to manage your stress. And you're going to constantly have to um, modify what you're doing and keep figuring out how to manage your stress as, your, as the stressors change, as your environment and circumstances change. All right, so those are the things that I wanted to focus on today, mostly just helping you identify helping you identify what stress means for you, how it impacts your own physical and psychological health, and what tools, what strategies you can implement every day to manage your stress, which includes kind of figuring out your sleep routine, how much you sleep, and how to improve your sleep. I hope that that you're able to kind of implement some of these things and that it helps you out because if you're like me um, and you're dealing with a lot of changes, a lot of transitions, just a lot of things coming your way, it's understandable to feel stressed and just got to take things one step at a time, one day at a time, one hour at a time, sometimes even one moment, one breath at a time. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining me and Uh, hopefully I will see you next week, although, or talk to you next week. I am contemplating switching to doing episodes on a bi-weekly basis just to give me a little bit more of a breathing room as, um, you know, I still have a lot going on, um, with figuring out my maternity leave and, and other things that are coming up, the start of another school year, etc. Um, but I'm thinking about it. I may have another episode next week, but if not, um, you'll definitely have another episode two weeks from now. So if all else fails, I'll be in touch in two weeks. Have a good day. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram, sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at eventmartinezvu.com. Until next time.